Hello and welcome to another episode of the Views from the Safety Car podcast. My name is Paul and today I'll be joined by both Remy and Doug for the final episode of the Views from the Safety Car podcast for the 2023 F1 season. Uh, Just as a quick recap, this year Max won the Formula One Drivers' Championship, Red Bull won the Constructors' Championship, and there's one more race uh, which will be in Abu Dhabi, and that will be happening over the Thanksgiving weekend. And then in the spirit of thanks, I want to say thanks to both Remy and Doug for helping out in this podcast. Uh, without the two of them, this podcast would not have happened. And I want to say thank you for everybody for listening to the Views from the Safety Car podcast throughout this uh, 2023 season. And just as a final note here, I just want to let everybody know that the Views from the Safety Car podcast will not be coming back for the 2024 Formula One season. So uh, I just want to reemphasize my thanks to everybody who listened during the 2023 season. And I hope you enjoy this final episode. So here it is one final time. I hope you enjoy the show. into another episode of the views from the safety car podcast um so today we're recording our abu dhabi episode which is the last race on the calendar for 2023 and we're actually recording this the day after the first round of free practices happened for las vegas the las vegas race has not happened yet but the first few free practices have happened um i guess happened is uh I guess a loose term here. It's certainly been off to an interesting start. Uh, so maybe let's talk about that for a little bit. First, ha- have you guys seen the schedule for the Las Vegas race yet? Just in terms of timing, when are, when are they actually having these? No, I haven't. Uh, I was a bit confused to see the texts come through that free practice was already happening on a Thursday night, which was very unusual. Seems like the whole schedule has shifted forward a bit of a day. Yeah, that's right. So, so, yeah, that's that's exactly right. For the Las Vegas Grand Prix, they've shifted everything forward a day. So races, which typically happen on Sunday, in this case, Sunday would be the 19th. They're instead having the Las Vegas race on Saturday, the 18th. And the race starts at uh, 10, 10 p.m. It's starting at 10 p.m. at night on Saturday. 10 p.m. local. Local time. Uh, And then qualifying the day prior starts at midnight. They're starting qualifying at midnight on Friday, Vegas time. For the practices, uh, pre-practice three had a modest start of 8.30, wrapping up at 9.30. But then I think free practice two yesterday. I don't have the time right in front of me, but I believe they started at something like two thirty in the morning. So yeah, what do we so, think about so that? Just ju- just for some some context here, right? Um, Ten p.m. local Vegas time is one a.m. for us on the east coast of the United States. That's the exact same time that the Australian Grand Prix started for us. It was <laughs> one p one a.m. on Sunday morning? Yeah. And then, and then for uh, presumably for the European fans, they're six hours, uh, you know, uh, ahead of us. 
Yeah, so, you, you, you're, you're taking my line here, Paul. It's uh, yeah, it's five. It's starting at six a.m. in London, right? And yeah. it's, it's starting at seven a.m. in Paris. But hey, if you're in Moscow, then I'm sure that this is a great time uh, for the race start. But I mean, it really begs the question: Who is this race set up for? Yeah, the question that begs to me is: Is how much are the TV rights? Because it doesn't seem like they're really valuing much uh, TV viewership, if that's the case. Yeah, I agree 100%. It, it, exactly, because the people on the West Coast are not going to be watching on TV, probably. I mean, this is th these are about the same times as, as like big boxing events or MMA fights. Like MMA fights and boxing start pretty late. So maybe I could see the logic there. But still, for the East Coast, like who's staying up until 2 in the morning or whatever, you know, to watch these races. Like, I'm certainly, not, I'm just going to catch the replay the next day. Um, on that same same note, there was some drama that happened in Free Practice 1, which we could talk about later. But some of the best sources that I found talking about what happened in Free Practice 1 were from Australian news sites, because they're the only people that are up <laughs> and able to process the information. So it's just like, yeah, exactly. Like, who is this race for? It's it's set up beautifully for yeah people in Australia, Japan, Singapore, uh, yeah. the high rollers in Macau, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely not for for the U.S. fans really. Just yeah. an awkward start time. I'm not even sure it's a great start time for people in Vegas. Yeah, like would you want to like if you spent like. Would you rather go see a race and then go out to the casinos and the bars afterwards? Or would you rather spend a whole day in the casinos and bars and then, like, you know, make your way over to a track to watch a race at, at midnight? Like, I, I don't know which one. I think I'd probably prefer the first option, you know, go see the race and then go out to the casinos after the fact. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, is, I, and so anyway, so in in uh, as I as I alluded to already, like there has already been some drama around this race. First, I mean, it's all it's got all the pomp and circumstance that I guess we would have expected out of a, a Vegas race. We saw that they had um, a crazy opening ceremony where they had all the drivers on these. Uh, I, I don't know how to describe giant boxes with a laser show, and you know, Max Max wasn't too happy about it. Um, yeah, what, what, what was I think you saw that, Doug? Right. So, what, what, what were they saying? What did Max say about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, he basically said that that it's ninety nine percent spectacle oh. and one percent sport uh, performance, and he's all about the performance. He does not want any of the the pomp and circumstance. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he's a very dry, uh, he delivers it in a very dry, matter-of-fact way where he's just like, this is how I feel. He's like, I'm going to share how I feel, but I don't expect anything to change or any. <laughs> we also need to, ju we're just the drivers. We're not the shareholders. And so this is what we need to live with. Yeah, the Eddie? exact quote is, I don't like it at all. I find it 99% show, 1% sport. Yeah, and like he's already wrapped up the drivers' championship by now, so he's just doing these races for fun at this point. <laughs> like, I don't think he like does he have to race? Like, does Red Bull have to join races now at this point? I mean, they could probably just end their season, right? I mean, I think he loves it. Like, I, I think yeah. he is addicted to it. He even talked about like he hates street tracks because they're just not as fun. Like, he's like, 
what you really want in these cars is a track that is high speed turns. Mm-hmm. And you can really only get that on a uh yeah, regular like a regular yeah. circuit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it yeah, that, that, that's a good point. Like as we talked about last week, it's like a the Vegas track is a whole bunch of straights and then very low speed um turns in between those very long straights. So yeah, I think I'm excited for the race still. Um, there's been, a, I think, a lot of the critics or the, the haters that want to see Las Vegas fail um, saw the drama that happened in free practice one. So basically what happened was that there was a loose drain cover in the middle of the track. And when the... Naturally. Yeah, and this isn't the first time that this has happened. This is like the fifth time that it's happened in Formula One. But basically the the cars were going over it, loosened it up, and then the the cover got sucked up into Carlos's car and basically blew up his car. I mean, he's fine and everything, but uh, it's a very expensive um a break uh, you know, injury to his car. And so and pricey too because he's he's receiving a 10 place penalty because he had to replace his power unit due to this uh mishap. Yeah. I also saw Ocon also had an issue uh, where he has to change the framers. I'm not sure if it was a similar like situation, but it's, the article that I was reading made it seem like it was. I didn't see that, um, but yeah, I believe it. I mean, it's just like, I mean, if that's the case where they're penalizing drivers for um, track defects, basically, that's not fair, in my opinion. The stewards determined that notwithstanding the fact that the damage was caused by highly unusual external circumstances, article blah, 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 obliges all officials, including the stewards, to apply the regulations as they are written. I mean, I So think he had all... to change the power unit. He has to drop 10 places on the grid. Oh, wow. Ridiculous. I did not. It is. I mean, I think we've all learned throughout the year how, uh, how fair F1 is. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we all learned that while watching uh, Verstappen pass uh, Hamilton in uh, what was that, 2021, in the final race of yeah. the year. Yeah, when yeah. everyone, when, at least when we were first getting introduced to Formula One. Um, and, and what yeah. track was that at again? Is that Abu Dhabi, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm excited for the race still, regardless. I mean, they fixed the track now. I think it should be an interesting race. Uh, some of the Ferrari boys were having success in the free practice. It looks like they're very fast. Actually, a lot of the cars, it looked like there was a probably a shakeup in the order. It wasn't just Max at the front of the practice times uh, for free practice, too. There was a whole bunch of cars up there. So I think um, we'll probably see some interesting things happen. But anyways, enough about Las Vegas, I guess, on our Abu Dhabi episode. <laughs> Let's move into. I mean, imagine, uh, imagine if, uh, just actually, really quickly, imagine if there was actually a tight race for the uh, for the driver championship, and one of the racers that was tied basically had to drop ten positions because they hit this stupid drain pipe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could see that. I could see it an alternative uh, reality where that happens, um, where Max and Carlos are fighting for first place. And they penalize Carlos. I mean, that, that just seems like something that would happen. 
And then the accusations would come out that Red Bull is somehow responsible for the uh, exposed drain pipe. <laughs> yeah, Christian Horner's out there with like a wrench or a crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right. Well, yeah, it should be an exciting race. And then, uh, yeah, maybe maybe Abu Dhabi will be exciting too. But uh, Yeah, let's talk Abu Dhabi. Yeah, we'll go right into uh, country, not a quiz. So this week we're going to uh, the United Arab Emirates. Um, we're going to the city of Abu Dhabi, which is a part of the UAE, the United Arab Emirates. Uh, Abu Dhabi, of course, is both the name of a city and an emirate in the United Arab Emirates. Um, it's not the most famous city in the United Arab Emirates. I would say that Dubai is, and Dubai is also the largest city. Uh Abu Dhabi is the second largest city in the United Arab Emirates at about half the population of Dubai. And just in terms of uh, like personality of these two cities, uh, Dubai is kind of the crazy build everything, just go nuts city, while Abu Dhabi is more of the financial powerhouse for the country. Um, and one thing I learned just in, in my research is among the GCC countries like Saudi Arabia, Qatar, etc., it's one of the more liberal-leaning countries which was kind of surprising for me for the united arab emirates um it was also a uh, british protectorate at some point so they speak a good bit of english and so a combination of those two makes them good trade partners with other countries uh as a result um so they have good ties with both the u.s and the uk and then uh china and india are also huge trade partners with them too um but they have a lot of expats living in the country um, so you would think, oh, you have a lot of you know foreigners living in your country that might bump up against some of your traditional values, and it can. However, one thing I learned was interesting about the uh, United Arab Emirates was that they help sponsor the building of non-Islamic houses of worship, like churches and synagogues, for expats. So they're apparently very uh, inclusive of other religions. Um, and then you know, well, I'll just touch on a few more things before we'll go into a game. Uh, but we can't mention the United Arab Emirates without mentioning oil. Uh, so this country used to be a series of Bedouin, like uh, camel traveling tribes. Um, and then they discovered oil and their economy really exploded. And so over the past few decades has really been when most of the growth has been. And you see it in some of their new projects and new buildings and all the tourism. The Burj Khalifa being, you know, one of the most obvious signs of all that growth. Um and so that's really the backdrop um, to Abu Dhabi. So I just wanted to start off with that. And now we're going to go into a quick game. All right. So for today's game, we're going to play Who Wants to Be an 8,000 Air? We were going to play uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but we have neither the time nor the budget for a full game of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So you guys are just going to have to stick with uh, $8,000 in winnings if, if you, in fact, win. Great, Paul. I'm excited to hopefully win and have you pay us eight thousand dollars. That's eight thousand a piece, or is that eight thousand split between Doug and I? It's split between you. This is going to be a team sport today, so you guys will be cooperating together to answer Ooh. these questions. 
And I just want to confirm that at the end, when we get all the questions right, you will be paying us the $8,000. Well, you know, I have an envelope here labeled prize money. I don't know if you can see that. So you will get the prize money if you win uh, the game. All right. Are we ready? Born ready, Paul. <laughs> born, yeah. born ready. All right. Okay. Question number one for $100. Leaders of Emirates are called what? Is it A, kings, B, supreme leaders, C, sheikhs, or D, presidents? I agree. C. We're getting, uh, we're getting C for sheikhs. And that is correct. Good job, guys. You have $100. Congratulations. Correct? Yeah, sheikhs is, sheikhs is correct. Oh, sorry, the color threw me off. It's, it's for no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah someone's never watched millionaire it always shows up in green paul oh they showed it in green i'm sorry we're doing red um all right question number two how many emirates are in the united arab emirates is it a three b five c seven or d 13 uh there are seven doug i'm pretty positive about that one let's go with it I'm not sure. All right. Are you, is that your first seven? C, seven. Final answer. Final answer. Okay. The answer is yes, it is indeed C, seven. There are seven Emirates at the United Arab Emirates. All right. So that was the $200 question. On to, uh, do you want to, okay, I should ask, do you want to continue? We, we, uh, we get the choice to continue when we see the question itself. Oh, okay. Paul, have you ever watched Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? <laughs> <Okay. laughs> all right. So, the, all right. So, the, the next question You're usually is, um, not supposed to see the words, the, the options. You just oh, see okay. the question. You don't see the options. <laughs> well, it's not designed that way. So, now that, now that you see the question and the answers, which the question being, which of these is not an Abu Dhabi theme park, do you want to continue for $300? I know this. Let's okay. See. Oh, that let, let, let me let me uh I'll, I'll I'll read it out. Which which of these is not an Abu Dhabi theme park? Is it A. Sea World, B. Ferrari World, C. Abu Dhabi Disneyland, or D. Warner Brothers World? It's C. Abu Dhabi Disneyland. So so That's Doug, you know that there's no Disneyland in uh, in Abu Dhabi. I know that there's a Sea World, a Ferrari World, and a Warner's Bros World. How do you know that? <laughs> I mean, I'm not confirming or denying that C is the right answer, but yeah, how do you how do you know that? You'll learn in my segment. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. Nice. laughs> All right. So is that okay? So C your final answer? I believe so. Lock it in. Lock it in. All right. The answer is correct. And C <laughs> is indeed the correct answer. Abu Dhabi Disneyland is he's trying uh, not... to lull us into thinking that all the answers are C. By the way, he's gonna he's gonna switch it up eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah I know. He really should have made Sea World C just for the elegance of it. But it's all right. That, that's an interesting theory, Doug. I guess we will see. <laughs> this is a good one, right? All right, moving on to the next one. I'm just not going to ask you guys if you want to continue. You're continuing. Uh, which of these is not a twin city of Abu Dhabi? Is it A, Madrid, Spain, B, Paris, France, C, Houston in the United States, or B, Bethlehem, Palestine? I think I need to 
ask, what do you mean by this? What, what is, you mean what is like it a like? sister city? Yeah, like a sister city. What's the definition yeah, exactly. of a sister city? So it's an agreement that cities have that say we share a lot of cultural similarities and uh, it's kind of like an exchange program between cities. So um, like Washington, D.C. has a sister city of, of Paris. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that Abu Dhabi can't be a sister city. They typically have multiple um, cities that they are sister cities with. So like you'll have like an Asian country, uh, a European country, and I don't know, whoever, you know, everybody, there might be a five cities that share sister city status. I'm liking the way you showed D, but I don't think it's D. So I'm on my, I'm on, I was just looking on my phone there because I was Googling, we were in Colmar. Um, were you, like were last you Googling month? as sister city of Abu Dhabi? No, no, no. I was trying to remember what the sister city was. We were, you, you and I were in Colmar back in September in France, and we yeah. randomly saw a sign that said a, the sister city of Colmar is Princeton, New Jersey. So yeah. I just thought that that was a, kind of a, like a funny little thing. I um, think it has to be A or C. And based on the answers previously, I think it's got to be C. So you think I, it's would, either I, I would lean towards Bethlehem France. here. Bethlehem, Palestine. You think Bethlehem? That's what I would lean towards. I'd be, I'd be a little shocked if it, was, if it was that, but... Well, what do you want to go with then? Do you want to go with the, this is C for the continuity? C for continuity? Which is Houston, United States, of course. Why, why would it be, why do you think it's Bethlehem? I just don't think that Hamas would have a sister city. <laughs> it would sign up to have sister cities. <laughs> oh, 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 oh! I've totally misread the question. It's which is not a sister city. So all of these are sister cities, but one. Yeah. Oh, that. Okay. Yes, then I agree. It's D. That that was literally what I was. That was my whole point. Are you are you sure it's D? No, I'm not. <laughs> Why don't we go with Houston? Are you sure it's Houston? <laughs> no, I'm not. Why don't we go with Paris, Doug? What do you think? I don't even... So you can have multiple sister cities? Yeah. Yes. This is bizarre. Uh... Have you... How do you... It's, what's bizarre to me is that you're pretty well-traveled, Doug. You've never heard of the concept of a sister city? <laughs> no, I've never heard of the concept of a sister city. I've never heard of a random-ass city being, like, sisters with Princeton, New Jersey. Oh, well, how Comar is you? okay so there you go Comar in france fun facts like how does that happen it doesn't matter why don't we why don't we go with paris <laughs> <laughs> you know that, that are you sure okay are you gonna lock it in no i think it's, it's I, I gotta like be response either no. all right so the, you're locking it with b paris france all right, and the answer is indeed B, Paris, France. My God. Hey, good job, guys. Paris, France is not a sister or twin city of Abu Dhabi. Good job. <laughs> All right. On to the next nailed question. It. Yeah, nailed it, yeah. Where does Abu Dhabi get most of its drinking water? This is for $500. Is it A, desalinated seawater? Is it B, oases? Is it C, coconuts, or D, the mountains of Fiji? Feeling pretty good about desalinated seawater. All right. I'm Doug, how are you a feeling? And, I, I, I'm between A and D. 
You think they get it from the mountains of Fiji? <laughs> it's pretty far away, Doug. I know that they have a lot of money, but it's it's a lot cheaper just to take the salt out of seawater. It's only bottles of Fiji water. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Let's go with A. It could be. A. All right, A. We're final gonna go answer. with desalinated seawater, Paul. That final is answer. that is correct. Abu Dhabi gets most of its drinking water from desalinated seawater. Uh, I guess a fun fact here is that uh, for agriculture, they use um, oases for a lot of their water that, uh, that, that, that goes towards agriculture. All right. Next question. Before the UAE discovered oil, what was a considerable part of their economy? Was it A, lumber, B, ski tourism, C, beer production, or D, pearl diving? To me, Doug, I feel like pearl diving feels like a good answer. Yeah, I kind of think that's right. Or A. I just can't imagine that beer production would have been... So they must have discovered oil in what? Like the 40s, the 50s, something like that? I just can't imagine they were producing tons of beer before, you know, in the 1920s or something like that. You don't think that the uh, mostly Islamic country yeah, is no, I don't a think big beer really producer? <laughs> Well, you said that they build a lot of churches and synagogues, Paul. So maybe, maybe you know, they're just trying yep. to supply the world. Uh, you want to lock in uh, pearl, D. pearl diving? Yeah, we're locking it in. <laughs> locking with D, pearl diving. And that is correct. So you guys have uh, you've gotten up to $1,000. That was the $1,000 question. And we'll keep going. So, so if, if we stopped right now, you would pay us both $500. Uh no, it only you know eight hundred is eight thousand is the next place you could stop. Oh. Yeah, that's the next place. He really thinks we're gonna lose. <laughs> uh all right. So which the the two thousand dollar question is which one of these sovereign wealth funds were not funded with with oil and gas revenues? So do we know what oil uh um sovereign wealth funds are? So basically it's uh when a when a country has excess money, um they can put in a fund and uh invest in a whole bunch of different projects. So um oil uh companies with uh countries with a lot of oil uh will typically try to diversify their extra money from oil and gas revenues and invest in other things. Um so the question is which of these sovereign wealth funds were not funded with oil and gas revenues? Is it A the China Investment Corporation with 1.4 trillion uh, uh, assets under management. Is it B, the Abu Dhabi Investment Authority with 850 billion assets under management? Is it C, Norway's pension fund with 1.5 trillion assets under management? Or is it D, uh, the Kuwait Investment Authority with uh, 800 billion assets under management? Probably A or C. I'm feeling I I feel like China would That's be my answer. Let's go with it. All right, the answer is indeed A, the China Investment uh, Corporation. China. China. Yeah, m uh, most sovereign wealth funds were funded with oil and gas revenues. Norway's is the largest sovereign wealth fund out there. Abu Dhabi's someplace, I think they might be fourth or fifth on the list. Uh but on a per capita basis, Abu Dhabi's sovereign wealth fund is one of the largest in terms of assets under management per capita. It's just massive. All right. The $4,000 question. Which of these facts about the UAE is not true? Is it A, 
Abu Dhabi has been labeled the UNESCO Creative City of Music since 2021. <clears throat> is it B, the UAE has more camels than people? Is it C, they have a space program and crash a spacecraft into the moon? Or is it D, an Emirati man was deported from Saudi Arabia for being too handsome? So which of these is not true? I'm going to eliminate D because I'm pretty positive that Paul loves these kind of facts and that must be true. <laughs> I think that, that. I, I think Doug, I don't know about you, but I feel like it would be tough for them to have more camels than people. They don't have that many people. Well, they have a lot of camels. How many camels exist on earth? I, I, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. can't be that many. They're big animals, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, there can't be that many. But also, C feels very, very... I definitely remember them having a space launch. Okay, so then did A feel reasonable to you? The music one? Let's go with B. It's definitely B. He's trying to throw us off. Like, he put D in there. So now he's trying to throw us off with B. It's definitely B. <laughs> you're, you're playing Scantron games here, Doug. <laughs> okay. So are you locking in? No, I'm right. The United Arab Emirates has four camels and people. And that is correct. Uh, uh, that, that, is, that is the incorrect. Uh, that's, that, that, it is correct in that that one is false. <laughs> how, do, how, do I, how do I say that? <laughs> Double um, negative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Abu Dhabi uh, is a creative uh, city of music. Um, they also do have a space program, and they did uh, crash a probe into the moon. Um, they also have a probe that's going around Mars. Uh, and an Emirati man was deported from Saudi Arabia for being too handsome. Um, but the, uh, the UAE only has about, I think it's half a million camels. And just put in perspective, I think... Yeah, well, yeah, only, but Dubai has like 3.5 uh, million people. So, yes, many more people than there are camels. So you guys are correct. All right, moving on to the last one. You guys can't stop now. As a reminder, this is for the $8,000 question. Uh, if you get this, you win the $8,000. Um, if you don't, then, <laughs> then uh, you lose it all. I'm sorry. Okay, last question. What is the shake of Abu Dhabi's name? <laughs> is it A, Mohammed bin Zayed al Nahan? Is it B, Sultan bin Mohammed al Qasami? Is it C, Mohammed bin Rashid al Maktoum? Or is it D, Hamad bin Mohammed al Sharki? So, Doug, I'm pretty positive just from my memory that um, the Sheikh of uh, Abu Dhabi has Mohammed in his name. <laughs> That narrows it down to only four. Uh, so that good memory. I think it's B or D. I personally I think the, it might be A. I have the prize money here <laughs> in this envelope. <laughs> All right. So Remy thinks it's A. Doug thinks it's B or D. And that or means the answer is C, of course, naturally. D, D. Both of those names seem familiar to me. E and D. If they seem familiar, these are... The I don't recognize the last names of A or C. I'll give you a hint. All of these are names of um, sheikhs of emirates in the United Arab Emirates. Just one is the sheikh of Abu Dhabi. 
Okay, so then maybe that means it's A or C, because I think I've, I don't know if I've ever heard the name of the Abu Dhabi Shake. <laughs> All right, you guys got to pick one. <laughs> Let's flip a four-sided coin here, Doug. I mean, it could be C, because he's been doing a lot of Cs. <laughs> you want to play, you want to go Scantron logic on this one? <laughs> I mean, if you like A, then I'll go with A. I don't, lo- I like I don't love A. I don't love A. I, I've got no... <laughs> yeah. If we if you want to go Scantron on this, I'll go Scantron us because I have no I guess, confidence in any of the answers. I feel pretty confident that I've definitely heard the names of B and D, and I don't think I've heard the names of the Abu Dhabi Shake, and so I think it's got to be A or C. I think we go C. Lock it in, Paul. <laughs> uh, all right. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to go C? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. We're locking with C. Oh, no. no. It was A. It was A. You narrowed it down to two. And it was the other one. Oh, no. I'm sorry. You're not going to be an 8,000 error. And just so you know, I'm, I'll take out the... I'm opening the envelope now just to show you that it was real. I do have a coupon here for $8,000, but unfortunately it expires today it was going to expire today november 17th at 8 p.m so i'd have to mail it to you or something to get it to you guys uh so the answer was a muhammad bin zayad al nayan yep that's right. just for the yeah. listeners out there that can't see yeah i mean if, if yeah, they, i felt uh, good about that one i felt good about that one but not good enough yeah well good good job guys uh it's a heart heartbreaking loss <laughs> uh maybe we'll get it next time on who wants to be an 8000 air uh, but yeah, that's it. That's all I had for this segment. Hope you enjoyed it. All right, great country quiz wrap up uh, for the year. Uh, very difficult. I think I would have liked uh, more competition, uh, but thanks, Paul. <laughs> what do you mean you want a more competition? You guys lost. You like <laughs> you were not eight thousand errors. <laughs> now on to the track history uh, and cloud shapes. So we'll start with a little bit of history of the track, followed by cloud shapes, and then end with the track stats. Uh, so I think everyone knows uh, we're talking about the 2023 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix today, uh, which is conveniently located in Abu Dhabi. Uh, the name of the track is Yas Marina Circuit, uh, which... In 2006, uh, plans were announced to develop Yas Island, which was located just to the east of Abu Dhabi. Uh, it was the plan was to basically develop it into the, like this big tourist destination, with a major part of the plans uh, centered around this 5.5-kilometer uh, racetrack. The work started in May 2007 uh, and completed October 2009, just in time to debut as the year's Formula One season finale. So it literally finished and then was used that November uh, for the finale. So uh, was this Yacht was this island. an already sorry was this an already existing island, or did they yes. like okay okay because I I think they've made I, mean, to be honest, I don't know I don't know if they like at some point they built the island or if it was j- truly natural but uh, the island was undeveloped at this time uh, gotcha. and this is where Sea yeah. World. Uh, Warner Bros. Uh, world 
and Ferrari World, which has the fastest roller coaster in the world, is on I Yas Island. Here, can I pause for a second? The one thing I want to say, I um, I this qu- question should have made it into the quiz. I, I, I don't know why I didn't. But uh, Abu Dhabi uh, has this archipelago on it. Uh, the the marina, the Yas Marina Island is one island of that archipelago. I saw that it, they have about 200 islands as a part of that archipelago. And like you were saying, Remy, a lot of them are man-made. Right. When Doug, when Doug said they wanted to develop Yas Islands, my initial thought was, oh, let's develop an island by putting an island that doesn't currently exist in the Persian Gulf. Let's let's just put an island out there and develop it. Yeah, but, it's not uh, out no. there. It's like literally like 10 feet from shore, it looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's land on either side of it. Okay, am I jumping back in? Please. Yeah. Okay. Please and thanks. So that's that season, uh, Red Bull's Sebastian Vettel beat the already crowned 2009 champion, uh, Jensen Button. Uh, Vettel would go on to secure his first title in Abu Dhabi one year later. I think it's Button, but I like Button better. <laughs> there you go. I, I, yeah, I'm, right. I'm laughing to myself. I think all three of us also pronounce uh, Sebastian Vettel's last name differently. Yeah, we, 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 and I think Doug criticized me once for pronouncing it how he just pronounced it. <laughs> how, how would you pronounce it? Sebastian Vettel. Or, oh my yeah, God. Paul no, says Vettel, Vettel, Sebastian uh, Vettel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's weird. Let's just call him Seb. We'll just call him Seb from now on. Honestly, I probably butchered both their names, uh, so I'm going to move on from that. <laughs> uh, so, Go. Lewis Hamilton has the most wins of anyone in Abu Dhabi. He's got five. Uh, Max and uh, Vettel tied for second uh, with three wins, with Max winning the last three years straight. He... Race has been around for for 14 years, okay? Who are the only three other drivers to win the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix since it began in 2009? Uh, Definitely Valtteri Bottas. Sebastian Vettel. That is is already a part of the... Um... Uh, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, it's going to be, we're going to have a lot of red. It's probably going to be, um, Oh, what's, what's the name of the guy that was a racer? I'm going to go with Nico Rosberg. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've gotten two. Yeah. One more. It'll Botas. Botas one. Botas is one. Okay. So Botas Rosberg and, um, we're the only questions that Paul can answer with Botas. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. I, I think uh, it's probably going to be a Red Bull or a Mercedes person. Are, are there any other ones, though, in that time frame? I'm going to go with Kimo Raikkonen. Kimi Raikkonen? Yeah, maybe you, you could correct. be that, too. Nice. Good job, Remy. That is all of them. And so that, that would mean that only four countries have had drivers win in, in Abu Dhabi in its 14-year history. Interesting. Finland. Go That's the Finns. That. <laughs> very cool all right uh so before going on to uh track stats let's take a look at the uh cloud shapes
anyone seen the track? I have not. I'm, I'm looking at the track now, uh, but this is the first time that I've seen it, and uh, I'm already stumped. I completely forgot that we do the segments and did not look at the track whatsoever before this. Perfect. This is our live, bread and butter. Come on. Live reactions uh, are always better and planned. If, are we going to go right into it? Um, then <laughs> That is the segment. That is the segment. Yeah, we spent, this time we're spending nearly seconds. Uh, well, no, that was, that's for our haikus. Um, like, like a weird pair of stilettos. It's like it's like somebody's stabbing a pizza with a gun. Um. <laughs> I mean, that that combines two of mine. I had, I had a, a weird a weird pits, pistol and a meat cleaver. <laughs> yeah, it, there's definitely a, a handle shape part to this and a uh, a large triangular part to it. <laughs> Remy, any uh, any additions? I wish I had looked earlier. Honestly spoken, I I completely forgot about this. More time would have given you uh, better results. More inspiration. How about this? This is kind of meta. Uh, it's a triangular cloud that has descended over a city with skyscrapers. There you go. Uh, so you are using you, <laughs> just to sum that up for cloud shapes. You're saying it's a cloud. All right, that's yeah. a triangle, that's and that has descended over a city, and the city has a few skyscrapers that uh, go into the cloud. All right. Yeah, I I think we nailed it. Doug, did you, so you Doug, you said be cleaver and gun. Remy, you said whatever you said <laughs> and then i had mine yeah i don't know we said a gun stabbing a pizza right yeah <laughs> i think i think we nailed it i think uh, everyone probably has a clear picture of their mind's eye of what the track looks like now a pair of stilettos i think actually is a pretty good answer oh yeah i forgot about that one that that mm -hmm. is not not the worst i've certainly ever better, come up with. certainly better than cloud <laughs> <laughs> um, all right so uh, moving on from uh, shapes uh we're going into uh track stats and turns uh so the capacity uh is 60, people roughly half the size of coda hmm. uh the length of the circuit uh is about uh three and a three point three miles uh about 58 laps uh can anyone guess who holds the lap record but for number of laps? No. no. Fastest lap? What you, what Fastest lap? For, yeah, what do you mean for number of laps? Like no maybe there's finished. a race where everybody crashed except for one person. And they, he's been racing in every single uh, iteration of the, uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Right. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with... The, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with Valtteri Botas. Locking in. Locking in Valtteri Botas. Good guess. Uh, Remy? Breaking in. It. Uh, it's Max Verstappen, 2021. Yeah. Did he do that while he was cheating or no? Or not cheating, but getting advantage from uh, Michael Massey? All right. So uh, the track was designed by uh, Herman Tilke. Uh, oh, Herman. He's one of the most experienced track designers out there. Uh, you, you, know, you know who he is, Remy? No, no. <laughs> uh, securing contracts to designs of many 
high-profile new world circuits from scratch. He's designed. Name some circuits. Na- name some popular circuits. I-, I clicked on his name, so I saw Nurper Greg. <laughs> yeah, but oh, that no. was really a uh, that was more of a remodel. That wasn't uh, built from scratch. Okay, so these are built from. Oda is correct. Oh wow! Uh... Any other guesses? Wait, you want us to name famous circuits, or you want us to try to do that with an educated guess? Name some famous circuits, and I will tell you if he's designed it. I don't know. What did he, did he have a hand in Miami at all? No, not it's Miami. Not a circuit. That's a street race. Yeah, but it's still designed. Yeah, it's still designed. It can, street races count. <laughs> Yeah, they do it in a parking lot. It's like they don't really have that. that, that like the limitations. Las Vegas. <laughs> Las Vegas is correct. Is that really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> See, that one I, I would think is uh, less likely uh, because, yeah, it's, what are you going to design the strip? Like the strip is there. But like in, a, in Miami, it's the like question, a question, Paul. They had to map it out. Come on. Yeah. Um, Montreal. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well, to be honest, I don't. I'm not sure. I only have the list yeah. that I have. <laughs> All right. Question. I'm just going to say him. Malaysia, Sepang in Malaysia. Byron. Oh, the one you picked from last week. Marina Bay Sands. Uh, you said Coda, Jeddah, Aku, Las Vegas, and of course Yas Marina. Wow. And that's just to name a few. Herman. However, uh, Oki has faced criticism of his tracks. He's been accused of penning boring tracks, lacking the overtaking and excitement at many Formula One races, saying they are largely carbon copies of each other. They've praised the vast improvement the designs have brought to the sport's safety, uh, but that the tracks have gone too far uh, the other way in terms of safety. Uh, His primary complaint uh, was that the large tarmac runoff areas failed to penalize mistakes. And so one example being in 2010 in Abu Dhabi, where Mark Webber was unable to pass Fernando Alonso despite the latter running wide on four occasions because the track's runoff areas did not impede him. It's been suggested that runoff areas uh, should be made of a substance that basically slow the cars down and thus punish, punish the driver's mistakes if they're going to use those. Um, but despite the criticism, Yas Marina is unlike most other F1 circus. Does anybody know why? Uh, I don't know. It's on an island, or it has something to do with the heat. It's on a marina. Come on. What do you mean, come on? It runs counterclockwise. Uh, (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) How many other circuits run counterclockwise, and can you name them? (laughs) Not again. (laughs) I feel feel like I'm actually well-equipped this time to answer the question. Yeah, Coda. Let's see. Let's so, so do you want to know, Doug, how many run counterclockwise or how many have a counterclockwise element within the circuit? How many have a counterclockwise element? Japan. How <laughs> many? How many? First say how many? Eight. I think it's like four or five. That is correct. Oh. <laughs> Japan. Baku. Brazil. Coda. Did Mexico also have it, Paul? Do you remember? I think it I did. Yeah. Well, um, I, think ta- I think we did talk about it in that episode, yeah. Okay, we're going to go with Mexico. Um, Jeddah. 
Oh man. Boy. Um oh. Missing two, right? I'll just sit in this one out. <laughs> yeah. I, I... It's uh, yeah. I have not clearly not retained this information. Uh, my knowledge stops at uh, Koda and uh, Japan. And Baku, uh, we're missing two. We're missing You're two. Missing one. You're missing one. You said Mexico. You said. Uh, I said. Abu 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 so I said. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I guess I gave you Abu Dhabi, even though you didn't. But say yes. It. Abu Dhabi, Japan, Brazil, U.S., Azerbaijan. Then you said Mexico, and what was the and other I one? And I said Jeddah. I said Jeddah. Oh, yeah, Jeddah. Okay, so you're missing one. Oh my goodness. Um, Probably like Zandvoort or something, or maybe a Belgian or an Austrian one. Maybe it's the Austrian one. It's not I'm Belgium. Gonna, I'm gonna go with the Austrian one. All is just totally guessing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's gonna be the it's gonna be the Red Bull circuit. That's what it's gonna be. Singapore. That was the, that's the last one. Singapore. checking okay so uh you got it's not Jeddah or mexico city it's las vegas i don't know how the count got messed up but wait one two three four five six oh there's only seven that's why not eight there's only seven and you and you, and you missed las vegas <laughs> that was the last episode that we did yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes okay uh can't say good work but uh but moving on uh, <laughs> so uh, the track is dominated by uh, it's 1.2 kilometers straight uh, between turn five and six with slow speed corners uh, making uh, marking its beginning and end uh, this is also the first DRS zone with its DRS detection zone uh, just before turn five uh, this is basically the, the top edge of the knife or pistol as we were talking about before Mm -hmm. Other highlights include the tricky run-through turns 10 and 11 into 12, which forces the drivers to brake hard with bags of lateral loads still on the car. Uh, despite Tilke's criticism, I've also read it's a fantastic track for overtaking moves uh, and track modifications ahead of the 2021 race. Shortening the lap slightly to 3.3 miles have only added to its excitement. So everyone will have to watch uh, and decide for themselves. Nice. We'll have to see. Well, at least it's probably going to be at a reasonable time, right? <laughs> at least compared to Las Vegas. It'll be practically be a home race for us, right? I think that's probably right. Okay, so now it's time for our special topic. As this is the last race of the year, and we have just witnessed what might be the most dominant season of all time for Max Verstappen. Kind of wanted to touch on a number of dominant stats uh, for Max that really just show how well he performed this year and how much better he did versus everybody else compared to past seasons. So quick disclaimer, um, as we are recording this before the Vegas race actually occurs, we, uh, I do not have the stats, of course, for the final two races, but um, I'm sure that he is not going to get zero points in both of those races. I'm sure he will continue to do very well. We so, you guys, twelve points. What's that? 
We could probably just assume he gets full points in the final two. Well, it's funny that you mentioned full points specifically, Paul, because what I did to try to understand just how dominant his season was, was I, I looked at the past 51 seasons. And I said, how many, uh, and, and I looked at each of those seasons and I said, how many points, if, if you had won every single race and gotten every single, maximized your points, how many total points would there have been? And then I went and I looked at the uh, drivers that finished in first place, second place, and third place, and tried to understand how, what percentage uh, of the way they got towards maximum total points for that given season. Max. Um, um. <laughs> I, I was trying to devise a, a uh, stat name with Max, as a, uh, called Max, but I could not do it. Um, Does this before include I, uh, fastest lap? Before I get into it, um, I just want to note some of the very basic stats that you could probably find online that will um, already highlight how well Max has done so far this year. Uh, he's won already 17 out of the 20 races. He is guaranteed to, no matter what the outcomes are of the pa- next two races, he's guaranteed to have the highest percentage of races won uh, for, for an entire season. This season, he won 10 consecutive races. That's never been done before. All 11 races in which he's started from the pole position, he won all 11 of them. Out of the 20 races so far this year, he has finished on the podium 19 out of 20 times. The only time that he didn't finish on podium was in Singapore, in which he finished in fifth place. And so far this season, he has already led 922 laps, which is the uh, which blows out of the water the previous record, which was 739 uh, laps led by Sebastian Vettel. So he has clearly been dominated, but looking dominating rather, but looking closer into the stats, I want to dive into it and, and talk about now the uh, over the past 51 seasons, just how well has Max done as compared to the other dominant seasons that we've seen. So, let me first talk about some of the worst seasons that we've seen. In 1981 and in 1982, we had seasons in which the driver that won only got 30% of the way towards the maximum amount of points that were available for them that season. Those were the only two seasons in the past 50 in which we are within the, the 30% range. We've had eight seasons in the past 50 in which somebody has gotten within the 40th percentile. 50th percentile is by far the most popular. We've had 15 seasons in the past 50 years in which uh, the, the, the driver that won got 50, some, somewhere between 50 to 60% of the maximum available points for that season. Uh, we've had nine seasons in which somebody uh, in which the the driver that won the championship got sixty percent of the way there towards maximum points. And now I'm going to talk about the other uh, seventeen seasons that remain. So we've had ten seasons in which a driver has gotten to uh, seventy seventy percent 
uh, of the maximum amount of points, between 70 and 80% of the maximum amount of points available. Out of Hamilton, out of Lewis's, uh, Hamilton's uh, championships, out of his seven championships, um, all of, but one of them have gotten 70% plus of the, uh, the maximum amount of points available. We also see that Fernando Alonso, uh, his two championships, he got 70% and 74.4% of the maximum points available. And uh, in fact, Max Verstappen last year got 76.2% of the maximum points available. Now, 80% of the points available is a bit more of a rare feat. Um, seven drivers so far in, his, uh, in the past 50 seasons have gotten to 80% of the maximum amount of available points for that season. Hamilton managed to do it twice. Vettel managed to do it uh, once. And then uh, Michael Schumacher managed to do it two times. With, uh, in 2002, where he got 84.7% of the points, maximum available amount of points. And in 2004, in which he got 82.2% of the maximum amount of points. What Max Verstappen so far this season has done just truly, truly eclipses all of these stats, though. To this point in the season, we are 20 races through at this point. We've had six sprint races, and we also have the bonus point. The bonus point was introduced in 2019, so a number of the other, uh, number of the former drivers did not have that available. Sorry? What is the bonus point for fastest lap? Okay. So Max Verstappen so far this season has 524 points. If he had won every single sprint race, which he has, and if he had gotten first place in every single race with the bonus point, he could have a maximum right now of 568 points. So he has 524 out of a possible 568 points at this point in the season. That is a 92.3% of all the points that he could have gotten so far this year, which is a crazy number. I don't think that we will ever see a number like this again. It is out of this world. Why... You're saying the next highest it was what percent? In 2002, Michael Schumacher got 144 out of 170 available points. What, so Wait, what, what percentage? Hold on, but the, okay, but which is 84.7 percent of available points? Yeah. So my question is: so first place is 25 points, right? Um, it is as of 2010. 2010 is the first year in which that, that was available. Okay. So Michael actually, Schumacher Michael Schumacher any... had a bit of an advantage in his year because if you finished in second place back in 2004, then you would have gotten eight points. So if you finished in first, you got 10. If you finished in second, you only got a 20% drop. Now, if you finish in first place you get 25 points and if you finish in second place you only get 18 points so that's a 28 percent drop so schumacher actually by by you you so it's a bigger drop in in total amount of points but not in percentage of points yeah 
I mean, yeah, that's interesting. Who was, second, who was third? What's the third? Which year? Percent? Oh, sorry. In totality, uh, the third would have been Sebastian Vettel in 2013, in which he got 397 out of 475 available points. Yeah, what's the percent? 83.6. Okay, so 84% is the next highest, basically, that is comparable to max. And uh, I don't know that I would say it's comparable to max. I mean, it's an 8% difference. No, I'm saying, I'm saying that it's on the same basis. Like, it doesn't take into account. Like, it's not the old scoring, is my point. And I guess, yeah, it's... The question is ultimately in my mind, like how much different does that feel? You're saying that like eight percent is a lot. What does it feel like to a to a watcher? Like would they have said that Sebastian Vettel's like uh year would they have said, Yeah, this is totally like ridiculous too? Probably. Well, that's a great question, Doug. Let me try to answer that in another way. So not only did I take the percent of available points for the first place finisher for all these years, I also did the same thing for the second place and the third place finishers for all of these seasons. So in the year that Michael Schumacher uh, got 84.7% of the points, he finished, uh, the, the driver who finished in second place got 77 out of 170 available points. Which put Michael, uh, which put a delta of thirty nine point four percent points between the first place finish and the second place finish. Do you understand what I'm trying to say there? Not really. Sure, I will try to explain it slightly better then. So Michael Schumacher in two thousand two got one hundred forty four out of one hundred seventy points. That is eighty four point seven percent of the points that he could have gotten. The second place finisher got 77 out of 170 uh, maximum points, which is 45.3%. 84.7 minus 45.3 is equal to 39.4. So I'm tracking the delta between the percentage of points that the driver in first place who, 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 finished, who won the championship got versus the maximum uh, or the percentage of maximum points that the driver that placed in second place got. And I'm tracking those deltas. Yeah, which is ultimately like a a measure of how consistent, like let's pretend that the first place person hit first place every time. It's basically how consistent was the second place person. Because if the person isn't consistent, then there's going to be a bunch of people going in and out of second place, and it's going to water down. Like there's going to be, you're basically trying to say like, was there someone that was actually com- having having any chance of competing with the first place person? I would say it's a, how much better did they do than the the person that finished in second place? Based on your right. question, in hindsight, maybe I should have added second and third place together and seen that kind of, seen the comparison. Yeah, my, my point is it's not necessarily a sign of how much better first place did. It's how much worse second, like the average yeah, second place like person. Like the spread. It's like the spread between your second place person and the baseline person. In this case, the person first. 
it's a question of how dominant was the pl- the person that finished the driver that finished in first place in the championship. It's a measure of dominance versus the rest of the field, and the best exemplary of the rest of the field is the person who f- is the driver that finished in second that that year. All right. So what are the, what are the second place stats? So okay. So you're going to give us the the differential between the two, or you're deltas? Gonna give us- yes, I'm going to okay. give you the deltas in between first and second. Yeah. So Schumacher in 2002 finished with a 39.4% delta. He also has the next highest delta, which was in 2001, when he finished 34.1% better than the driver in second place. Just how much better do you think Verstappen has been this season? Just before you say that, how easy would it be for you to just quickly calculate if I am in first place for every race, so I get 100% of available points, and then there's a driver who always gets second place, what percentage of available points, would, what would that delta be? So that's going to be very difficult to calculate because the rules over the 50 years, the, the points over the no, past 50 years, like in the current, I'm, I'm like answering the question, Doug. Give me a sec. Uh, so the, uh, the, the way that the points are calculated over the past 50 years have changed five times. So current system. So you're saying compare 26 versus 18, which yes. has only been in use for five seasons now. Yeah. And then you want to compare 25 versus 18, which was in place for about seven seasons. And then you want to compare 10 versus eight, which is in place for about seven seasons. And then you want to compare 10 versus six, which is for the majority of the time. He just wants the first a one. Rough, a rough estimate. We don't need to compare all of them. I'm just looking for, and I think you said it. So it's, how many races are there? Just do 18 over 26. Anyway, to complete out this whole story, right? Because the majority of the time, the, 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 the majority of the time, the number, the, the delta between first and second place has been between in the range of 0% and 10%. More than half of the seasons in the past 50 seasons, the number has been between 0 and 10%. Maybe to you, close. that is a signifier that the second-place finisher did very well uh, most of the seasons. And then in the other seasons, maybe that's a signifier that they didn't do as well. But to me, the word dominance is the fact that... So Schumacher... In two of the seasons that I mentioned, in 2001 and in 2002, put up numbers within 30%, with a 30% uh, delta, where he finished 30% above the next highest uh, finisher. Max Verstappen, this season, has 524 out of a maximum of 568 points. Next up is Sergio Perez, who has 258 out of a possible 56, uh, 568 points, which is 44, uh, 45.4% of the maximum amount of points. So his delta right now is 46.9%. He is doing 47% better than Sergio Perez in terms of maximum points, maximum points available. And that's compared... To Michael Schumacher, who maxed maxed out in thirty at thirty nine point four percent in two thousand two. Yeah, I think Formula One's an interesting sport because you have two factors 
you have you have that that you, that you uh, where you, you can measure a driver. You can measure him versus his teammate, and you can measure him versus the rest of the grid. In years where you have a good teammate and say that you're in first place, then that differential to second place should be smaller. Um, so is, that's assuming that you have a very fast car, the car is faster than the, the rest of the grid. Um, then that differential to your teammate, if you have a good teammate, um, should be smaller because he should also be performing well because the car is performing well. If in the case with Sergio Perez, where he has been underperforming as a teammate, there have been a lot of other people that have had a chance to get second place, and that will create a much larger differential between first exactly. and second. Um, so, yeah, Max has been dominant not only across the grid, but also over his own teammate. But I guess the question that I would have for you, too, based on some of the pushback that I've, I've heard here, is what does the dominance mean to you? I, I the way I was thinking about it as we entered this is really throughout the season. Is there someone that can? Is there constant competition where you don't know who's going to win? And, and if if there isn't, then that's dominance in my mind. If if you are just so far away from the rest of the group. That's dominance. And I, I definitely think Max has experienced that. I think the question I've been asking myself is, if, if, if Max was winning every race and Lewis Hamilton was coming in second in every race, that would have created a 30% gap by the end of the year. I think we would have felt that it was less dominant. It's still a very large gap, but I think we would have felt it was less dominant, at least the first half of the year because i think they're still even if they're not still totally within striking range the races would have felt more uh like there's something to to like something could, could change at any minute so to speak yeah so but that would me, be I... a dominance in and of itself for the second place finisher as well right we should expect yeah party we should generally expect parity for this. We should not expect a driver to win the majority of races, let alone win 85% of races, let alone. And there's a lot more parity between second place and sixth place this year, which is a lot more normal than, than what Max has done as a comparison to the first place, uh, as compared to the drivers that are in uh, second through sixth. I, th I think for yeah, go ahead. I guess my point is the 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 F one is a crapshoot. It's a total crapshoot. This can happen. Yeah, it's rare, but like dominance can happen because they allow them to generate their own cars and even pre this like they allow them to to even with a spend cap, there are ways to spend a lot of money and get the best talent and and whatnot. And so because of that, it 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 is not. You can have major outliers in my mind. And so can this happen again? Probably. Like, I don't see how this can't happen again unless they move to a world where the cars are the same. Yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, I think part of the reason for Max is, not, Max is, of course, a dominant driver. 
He's got he's much more skilled driver than the rest of the grid, but he's also got a rocket ship of a car, and he has a rocket ship of a car because there were new changes to the profile of the car. Everyone had to design a new car, and they got the formula right. And so he has a combination of having a winning car where they found the answer before anybody else did. And he's also like a once in a generation talent. And so that, so he is dominant, not only because his car is dominant among the grid, but he is dominant as a driver as well. And also dominant over his, uh, his, his partner. So you were asking what dominance means. I think that's it. And I think that we will see that gap close as other uh, constructors figure out the answer to what makes a car good uh, in this new environment of rules. And so I think next year, it is likely that we will see a smaller differential between Max, who I'm assuming is going to still be winning at that point, and whoever's in second place, because the cars will be better, or the, the, the difference between the cars will be smaller. I guess I'm confused a little bit by the, the by the points that you're making, which seem to actually both back up exactly the stats that I was trying to say there, but were you you're trying to use real numbers based on the points and the outcomes that we've had I don't know over if the I, past if 50 years. I don't know if anybody's disagreeing with you. Yeah, um, I don't think so either. Where do you feel like there's disagreement, I guess? Maybe the one point I'm disagreeing on is that I don't think that it can't happen. Like, I think it could happen again. Like, there's no controls in place that make me think this won't just ebb and flow over time. Like, a a constructor could easily just stumble upon a good idea and have the best car and have the best driver and be insanely dominant one year. And ones that are more likely to do that are the ones with more money obviously because they're going to have they're going to be paying their people the most and have the best talent uh and have the best engine because you can spend uh uh on those things above the spend spend cap and so uh there's nothing in my mind that can stop can prevent this from happening again it's by it's in my mind in large part uh Pants and the design of 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 the of the sport. I think I think you're harping on one sentence that was in there that was mostly a throwaway sentence um, about how we haven't we probably won't see that ever again. I think the general overall point that I was trying to make is that what we have just witnessed here is the most dominant season of all time. And yeah, I think, I think right. that that is proven with the numbers. I mean, he's gotten 92%, uh, over 92% of the overall points that he could have. Um, sure, maybe a second great driver in the, in the season could have possibly prevented that. And uh, if a second great driver in another great car could have prevented that. But I don't think that any of that disproves the overall point that he has just dominated the field to a point, to a degree that we have not seen at all in any of the past 50 seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for that one season, yes. I, I, it's still, I still struggle with the idea of like this dominance is totally unprecedented because you still have Lewis Hamilton that 
that literally owned the sport. And it wasn't just Lewis Hamilton, it was his teammate as well. And like, he probably finished damn near one and two most years. Uh, I don't know that for a fact, but I wouldn't be surprised. And that to yeah, me is... So Lewis is, maxed out, he, he maxed out, he's, he's gotten, uh, in 2014, he got 80.8% of uh, the maximum amount of points available. Um, in 2015, he got 80.2% of the uh, points available. But I, I guess the point that I'm trying to make I guess is that my dominance guess is has... differential was tighter because his second driver was better. Sure, but but isn't that what dominance is anyway? Is that you're just crushing everybody? It doesn't matter who the fir- the the next best driver is. You're just crushing them as well. Um, you know, if I, I think the what you're kind of thinking about there might be around the deltas. Yeah, his delta between him and second place wasn't nearly as strong as Verstappen has been this season, but his he got um 12% fewer maximum 12% less points uh than he could than Verstappen did which is agnostic to how is the second best driver doing versus the rest of the field Verstappen crushed the second best driver this season Perez he crushed the third best driver this season in Leclerc I, I wonder how many Otas won that year or whoever the second driver was that year because that can also take away from his which yeah, but it doesn't matter say, who the second best. It doesn't matter how many Botas won because if 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 Hamilton had had a season that was to this degree of dominance over Botas, then Botas would not have won as many races as he did in 2013 or 2014. Or it was Rosberg. Point, it was Nico Rosberg back then, but still. If there was a equally competent driver in Red Bull as the second driver, is it possible that Max wouldn't have won as many this this year? possible uh, you never know but that doesn't take away from the fact that he has just dominated the field to a degree that we have never seen before which is the point i was trying to make with the stats to back it up yeah i think that I um that. yeah i don't think anybody can disagree with that i i, I think um i think that if if this were to happen again so I I kind of wonder a little bit about Lewis Hamilton's um, streak. Did his streak come on the coattails of some change in the rules and car design? I think he came in the, uh, the beginning of the hybrid era. I think so. There was like there were changes in the in the power unit. Um, so that uh, yeah, I don't know, but something I I have a feeling that something changed. So I think that in, if we were to whoever's going to come up next and be the next dominant person in a post-max world, I think that would have to happen with another major rule change um, where the cars are drastically changed. Then they have to figure it out again. And then also then you probably have to have some once in a generation talent come along too. Um, yeah. Cars so changed last year though. This is season two of the new formula. Yeah. So I think that there's probably like a, de- like a decay, right? Like, um, so like they figured it out and it'll probably take teams a few years to catch up and yeah. So anyways, but yeah, Max has clearly been dominant for this season. Interesting stuff though. I like the research. Hell yeah. Oh, is, is that it? 
I have nothing further to say. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you for sharing and uh, move on to the, uh, the haiku portion. All right, now it's to everybody's favorite segment of the podcast. This is the haiku goodbye portion of the podcast where we spend nearly minutes developing haikus to bring a little bit of culture into your days. Um, so, yeah, how are we feeling? We all got a good good haiku this time around? Got to finish on a, on, a, on a high note. This is the last uh, podcast of the year. I've never turned out a bad haiku, Paul. So, yes, of course, I'm confident. Yeah, I feel pretty good with mine. All right. So we've got some uh, positive vibes around this haiku ending. I'll go, f- I'll go first with mine. All right. You guys ready? Sorry, I can't watch the new Las Vegas Grand Prix. It's past my bedtime. That's a good one. Do you have a haiku for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix? No, we talked about the intro, so it's relevant to this podcast episode. You gotta gotta pull from the source material, the earlier source material from this episode. All right, here, let me let me rewrite it. Sorry, I can watch the Abu Dhabi, the old Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. I will be awake. Yes, I will be. Okay, I think that's good. Yes, I will be awake. Yeah. <laughs> it is at eight AM. I looked it up. Um, so it's more that the Abu Dhabi is a more the more That's appropriate right in your uh, real, real house. It Absolutely. sure is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Doug. What do you think? Do you want to go next or what? I can go. Max's dominance. Will he dominate again? Only time will tell. Very nice. Yep, right. as we are wrapping up this 2023 season, I, of course, as well, wanted to dedicate my haiku to Max. Ode to Verstappen. I dislike, but respect you. You're a good driver. Amen. I like it. All right, very nice. Uh, well, with that, we'll wrap up our last episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here at the Views for the Safety Car podcast. Uh, until next time, goodbye. Asta 2024. Hey, everyone. <laughs>